Blog Talk Radio. Well, today I'm so glad that you're with us once again. This is Dawn Scott Damon. I'm your freedom coach, and you're listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. Now, normally, everybody, I've got the sisterhood in the house, but today, on this very unusual day, I have the brotherhood. That's right. I have Pastor Julian Newman with me today. Give some love, Pastor Julian, to the sisters that are listening. What's up, sisters? How you doing? It's good to be on the uh, crew. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. You have more to say? I was just going to say I'm with um, I'm with girls all the time, with my three daughters and wife, four daughters. Yeah, come on my, now. You've got a new so, baby girl. You know, I do, and uh, so I'm very comfortable with uh, with the ladies, uh, the, the, the female environment. Very good. And, well, there's a lot of estrogen normally on this show, but you do have the estrogen mindset, so we're, we're glad that you're with us. Actually, I did ask you to come on because, as you know, this program is about women helping women live free and full lives. But you shared a message recently that I heard that really talked about something that resonated with me, and that was going from victim to victor. You talked about having a dream and that there's this painful time, and so I thought it would really benefit our listeners. So I want to talk about that a little bit, and I'm just going to have you set it up for us. The name of your message was what? Dreaming the Impossible Dream? Yeah, Dreaming the Impossible Dream, and I'm convinced that every person has a dream that God put inside of them that he's created them for. Uh, One of my favorite uh, guys in the Bible is Joseph, and he's a person who um, had dreams from God that he sh- God shared with him, but there was a considerable amount of time that happened between God sharing the dream and then him stepping into that dream. And there's three stages that every dreamer goes through. Uh, it's the introduction of a dream, it's the construction of a dream, and then finally the production of a dream. And God uh, takes us through these, these three stages. Okay, let's say those again for the listener, and you're on a roll, so I don't want to um, stop you, but there's the introduction yeah. of a dream. The introduction, that's when the dreamer comes to realize um, this plan, this purpose. In Joseph's case, it was um, the, the sheaves bowing down uh, in Genesis chapter 37. Um, for another person, it may be something else, but it's the awareness that my yeah. life is supposed to be doing something or connected to something significant. So when you have the introduction of the dream, is the dream coming from my own thinking? Is it my own desire? We're talking that there is a dream from God. It's a God dream. And that in some point in our life is this introduction that we become aware that not only am I dreaming for my life, God's dreaming for my life. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And, and I would say that God can speak to, like I've had moments where I've been in a prayer meeting or a worship service where I feel like God talked to me. But I also realize that God speaks to us through the way he's designed us. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a film school student. When I was a kid, I was in plays. Um, I loved comic books, loved to draw. So there were some things that God had har- already hardwired me with to prepare me for what God had for me. So there are times where there's a supernatural moments of God speaking. There's other moments where the way that God designed us, like a magnet draws us to a particular area. Um, if God's called us to be um, the head of World Vision, the, the, the gentleman that started his, uh, World Vision, 
Um, it started when God began to stir in him a burden for those that were hungry and hurting. And that was the birthing place of a dream that we now know to be World Vision. Um, it was an experience that he had, and his, his inner response to that experience was part of God speaking to his life, in, into his life. So for the dreamer, God has those supernatural moments, but there are times where we're going to respond to experience and circumstance. Things are going to come and connect with us on a deep level because it's speaking to who God created us to be and how he created us. Do you feel like this? Um, I often say that there is an environment that everything can grow in. For example, we don't see palm trees here in Michigan because it's not the right environment. And inside of us, there are seeds of promise and things that God's put into us. But until we get into that environment, we won't see it grow. So someone might not even realize that they've been hardwired or designed by God to do something. It's not appropriate yet. It's not the right environment. It's not the right time. But when you get in that season, all of a sudden something is growing from my life because now it makes sense. It's very true. And the process that God uses sometimes to move us to a different environment is not always, um, sometimes it's painful. And if we use Joseph in the scriptures as a model for the dreamer's journey, he goes from his, uh, the home of his family, he's favored by his father, but then he's rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery, and the environment changed. Mm-hmm. We, looking at it from the outside, we realize that that environment shift was very significant for Joseph, not only cultiv- the dreaming cultivated in Joseph's life, but Joseph being matured in that construction phase. So he had the introduction, God introduces, he responds to the environment, he has dreams and visions, and I have this uh, uh, grand future that God has called me to. Phase one. Phase one. Mm -hmm. Phase two is a construction where God is qualifying the dreamer for the commissioning that is still to come. Mm. So Joseph is in this environment where he's uh, a slave and he's got to learn a new language. He's got to learn how to live a different life. From what I read in the Bible, it doesn't seem like Joseph was a very hardy man, meaning he wasn't out there doing the hard work. He was in the house. He was uh, wearing a a coat that his dad uh, had mm-hmm. given him. He was not a worker. The baby. He was the baby. Mm-hmm. And so he had to go from being the baby to now I'm a, I'm a slave. I'm working hard. I'm, it's completely different. And what Joseph didn't realize at the time, just like we never realized at the time, that when we're in that construction phase with pain, with hardship, with setbacks, with betrayals, that God is actually preparing us for that next phase. That's so powerful, and I think that I want the listener to really capture that for a moment because if I'm Joseph, I'm cursing that environment right now. I hate that environment. I'm, I, re, I reject this. I went from this beautiful life to all of a sudden I'm in the middle of a storm. Um, there's pain. I have to work. I'm in bondage. I'm a slave. I have difficulty. God, where are you? What's happening? Why am I in this desert wilderness, vacant or worse, jail cell? place, this prison time, that I'm hearing you say today that that's the very thing that God designed, or maybe Satan designed it, but God used it. That's the very thing that God allowed in his life to actually prepare him, and not even to prepare him, but to activate what he had destined Joseph for. Yeah. Um, 
jo- there's, a, there's a significant scene in Joseph's life where he's in the prison. And he has been sold into slavery by his, his brothers. Um, he has uh, been falsely accused of rape. And he's now in, in, in a prison, and he's serving in that prison. And so Joseph, up until that point, uh, responded like a victim. So when he had the opportunity to talk about his situation, he would say, uh, my brothers did this, my family did that. And when we're in the construction phase and we're dealing with the aftermath of betrayals and setbacks and pain or abuse or whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're hurting right then. But God can't move us to phase three, which is the production, the, the release, the commissioning, without first being healed. So we have to transition from victim to victor. Mm-hmm. We have to move from a place where we're seeing ourselves as uh, uh, woe is me, and he's transi- he'll transition us to a place where we actually are looking to serve others out of our pain that God has healed rather than being served by others. Joseph was given dreams, but in the prison place, it's the first time that we see Joseph using the gift that God has given him to serve others. He uh, runs into two guys in the prison, the butler and the baker of Pharaoh. And by serving them, what he didn't realize is that God was putting a key in his hand to move into phase three. To unlock his prison. Absolutely, unlock his prison and to step into his destiny. See, when we're in that victim's phase, we're in that prison place, God wants to heal us, and he also wants to change our perspective. When we get a dream from God or we respond to a purpose that he's hardwired us with, it's very easy to think about it that it's for us. It's about us. So, again, looking at the scriptures, Joseph talked about his dreams in a, uh, a very me-centric way. You guys are going to bow down to me. You guys are going to do this for me. But that's the first time that we see Joseph speaking of dreams, serving one another. The dream from God is not about us, really. It's about God's purpose being fulfilled in others. And the way that we, the way that, that happens is that we serve others. Joseph served these two gentlemen, and God put a key in his hand to bring healing to Joseph's life, as well as to propel him to the next platform, phase three, the production of the dream. So, uh, okay, so... That is a beautiful thing if we can get to phase three right there as fast as you just said that because we all want to live in phase three. I want to live in the reality and the manifestation of my dream. But the truth is is that I find that that construction phase, that building time, is it's a war zone. It's a meantime. We say uh, in the meantime, mm-hmm. it's a meantime. Mm-hmm. But Joseph had real pain. So you're not saying that what happened to him was okay. You're not disregarding the fact that he was really betrayed. He was really hurt. His brothers threw him in a pit to kill him. They intended to murder him. They did. So Joseph really was beat down by life, and there was cruel things. That's the truth. But now he has a choice. What am I going to do with that? I don't know how you handle pain. I don't know how the listener handles pain. Oftentimes, we can end up being imprisoned for a long time by our pain when we don't handle it right. 
We probably know the Christian answer, the biblical answer is that, you know, I have to serve someone or I have to forgive them. I have to bless my enemies. But we really are struggling inside. We, we hurt with pain. And I know for me, when I, when I experience pain at the hands of someone else, I mean, I did my own share of stupid stuff, but I was also hurt by individuals. My dad hurt me. He was my abuser. You know, I had relationships that hurt me. But what am I going to do? Say, you know what? You hurt me. I had a dream. Now it's not going to come to pass. It's never going to happen because of you. Or I'm faced with a choice. What am I going to do with my pain? Uh, I've denied pain before. I've blocked pain out. I've become angry because of my circumstances and, and the pain, um, there's a lot of people who anesthetize. They try to, they use, they form addictions. They get into all kinds of things, all trying to get through pain. So Joseph was in prison. He's hurting. He's in pain, and he decides to flip that energy. Instead of being a victim, he decides to let God use his life and serve others and pour out. I mean, how how? How did he get there? How did he do that? Well, I think, like you said, uh, you know, you read Joseph's story, and in a matter of a chapter, he goes from one spot to the next mm-hmm. spot. And we don't live that way in, in the real world, and, and neither did Joseph. I think we have to acknowledge what has happened to us. We're not, um, we're not super people. Mm-hmm. We're real people. Mm-hmm. We, we hurt. We bleed. We cry. Mm-hmm. We get angry. Uh, Joseph felt all those things, Mm -hmm. and we have to uh, be honest enough with ourselves to realize that we feel those things, too. We have to speak to God about that. I know there's been times in my my life, my experience, where I've had to say, God, I'm angry about this. I'm upset about this. Mm -hmm. I want to get back to these people. Revenge is in my heart, Mm -hmm. and and I'm not okay with this. And, And I feel like one of the first steps to get into that place of acknowledgement and allowing the Lord to bring healing is to be real honest with who, where we're at. You we think God can handle that? God has to handle that. One of the, my favorite figures in the Bible other than Joseph is David. And when I read his stories, um, there's a part in the Bible in the Psalms where he says, uh, I want to smash someone's cheekbone. <laughs> and, you know, you think about that being a part of his, uh, his devotion to God. And so I don't think I've ever said I want to smash someone's cheekbone, but I do but understand that, you know, but I understand the feeling. Mm-hmm. And so David wasn't afraid to be completely honest with God and unfiltered with the Lord. And I think there's a book that I read not long ago that says if we don't talk it out, then we're going to act it out. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we end up getting into dysfunctional actions is not being honest in our communication. And sometimes we don't have maybe a friend or a sister or a brother to communicate that with at the level that is necessary, we can communicate to God and say, God, I am completely devastated Um, because it's in that place of recognition of our devastation that we just surrender ourselves to the Lord. And we just say, God, you got to build me. You got to heal me. You got to restore me. You got to recreate me. You got to resurrect me. Resurrect my, resurrect my dream, resurrect mm-hmm. my future, resurrect my purpose, mm-hmm. because it's been completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. And in Joseph's circumstance, everything that he would have thought could have happened to him, um, none of it came to be. He's away from his family. He's in a law, you know, strange land. 
And God, in a prison place, gives him the key that he was speaking in his life when he was 17 years old. Nobody could have guessed that. And so it came out of a deep place, a difficult place, um, a dark place, a nightmare place. But God, more often than not, brings the fulfillment of his great dream in our life. Um, the great dream in our life after we've been through a season of a nightmare. And so mm-hmm. um, that frustration that comes in that place really is a, as, as tough as it is for us. It is the, the incubation center. It is the, uh, the womb of transformation. And without that middle spot, there really isn't a third place. Well, it really becomes the decision place then, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. Because that's where we have to decide, I'm going to live like a victim the rest of my life. Or I'm going to take God at his word and believe that God saw this coming. He's not in heaven wringing his hands saying, oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to do now with your life. I mean, God, you allowed this. I trust you. And we have to really reach into the mystery of God and say, though I don't understand it, I don't see it, I'm going to lean into you, God, and I'm going to trust you that you're going to work this for my good. I know when I was a little kid, I hated tears because when, if I started to cry, if I allowed myself to feel something, I wouldn't just feel what happened right then. I knew that there was an avalanche of emotion behind me and of unresolved pain and issue from being you know, sexually abused as a child, from living in denial and having to keep going because I couldn't, I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't break down. I had a choice. I could just curl up in a ball in a corner or I could just separate myself from the pain that I was feeling and just keep going. So I hated tears. And whether I fell off of a bicycle and there was blood coming down, which happened as a little girl or different things I can remember happening, I remember saying to myself, don't cry. Because if you feel, you're going to feel everything. I knew that already instinctively as a 10-year-old little girl or a 12-year-old little girl. And so that was one of my coping skills as I grew I wasn't willing to do what you just said. I wouldn't acknowledge. I wouldn't feel. I wouldn't talk to God about it. I wouldn't allow myself to deal honestly with real pain, true pain, true hurt. And so I became very uh, angry, stuffed, bottled, frustrated, and I just I just disassociated from pain. And so my release from my prison, one of the assignments that I got from God, one of the keys he put in my hand was tears. He said, until you feel, feel this, you're not going to get healed. You're not going to recover. You need to go and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. You need to resolve this. You need to get into the pain and let me work through it. And it was in that place. It's really easy. For me, it was really easy to forgive people or serve people when I was in denial because I didn't have anything to forgive because I don't even know what happened to me. But when I got back in the pain and started feeling it and being honest with it and then having to forgive people from in that place with all that emotion and um, everything very much alive, it took a miracle. It took God's grace. But when I did it, when I released and cried and felt it and got real and honest before God, that was the key to my jailbreak Mm -hmm. and promotion for me to come out of that place. And that's a decision. So it's decision time. And uh, maybe somebody listening today, you know, you've got a dream from God and it hasn't come to pass. Maybe it died and you feel like it's over. 
Maybe somebody did something to you. Well, maybe somebody did something not to you but for you. Maybe Joseph's brothers throwing him in a pit wasn't something done to him but something done for him. And the decision is yours. As you sit in your jail cell today, are you going to let this work for you or are you going to be a victim? What say you? Well, um, one of the greatest um, things that Joseph says is near the end of the story where his, uh, his brothers come face-to-face with Joseph in his promoted state. And Joseph has every ability. He has the power. Um, he has the... Um, the army, the government behind him. Because he's in charge he's now. He's in charge now. And so the little brother that was thrown away now is running the show. Mm-hmm. And when his brothers come to realize through Joseph's admission who he really is, they think he's going to kill them. But he doesn't. And he weeps upon them and he says, what, what the enemy, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I, I think that's a phrase that all of us really need to grab a hold of what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And so um, we do have to make a decision, and Joseph made a decision. And way before that encounter came with his brothers to fulfill every dream that that God has spoken to his life as a young man, um, he made a decision that I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Mm -hmm. Because if he was a victim, his brothers wouldn't have lived another day. But because he was a victor, not only um, was he able to forgive his brothers, but there was even something bigger involved. For those of us that know the rest of the story, um, Joseph provides an opportunity for the promise of God to be fulfilled ultimately with Jesus coming because uh, it was through those brothers that the line of the Messiah came. Mm Joseph's stance of not being a victim anymore, but being a victor, created an opportunity for the Messiah to come, Jesus Christ. And so when we say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore, but in Jesus' name, I'm going to be a victor, it provides a platform for Jesus to be raised up in our lives and for other people to realize what the power of God can do. We that is so powerful. My goodness. We um you know, resurrection is 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 one of the most powerful things that we can see in 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 the kingdom. And another one of the things that's um nearly as powerful or maybe as powerful is redemption. There's something beautiful about something broken and being devastated and it being rebuilt. Whether that's a rebuilt marriage, whether it's a rebuilt relationship with a father, a daughter, a mother, and a son, a family that's been um, uh, torn apart, or they have been separated because of war, some tragedy, and then we see the reunion moment. Mm-hmm. And and whether that's a, a film or whether that's a historical a, a book or something, when we experience that reunion moment as an observer, our heart is touched in a very unusual way. There's something powerful about redemption. And so when we make the decision in a prison place to say, God, what the enemy meant for evil, you meant for good. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a victim anymore and be weighed down by all this stuff, but I'm going to allow you to raise me up mm-hmm. and redeem there's something beautiful about that redeeming story that um, is a witness and uh, an example for all of us. It's so incredible. 
that's a word for you today. You're listening to this and something in your chest is just pounding right now. That's God speaking to your heart. You've been broken. You've been wounded. That God wants to renovate and restore and rebuild your life into something glorious and beautiful. I know he's done it for you. Mm -hmm. He's done it for me, Julian. And um, God's going to do it for you today listening. Right now, if you'll just reach out, take God at his word. Make that decision to say, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to nurse the brokenness. I don't want to memorize and rehearse and regurgitate the pain and the betrayal. I want to make a decision. I want to be rebuilt. God wants to rebuild your life today. I'm wondering, Julie, would you just pray? Absolutely. be happy to. God, uh, I just pray for um, all the sisters out there that are... Uh, looking to take yet another step in their freedom. And God, you know their stories, you know the difficulty, you know the pain, you know the dark moments, the nightmares, you know the ups and the many downs. But Lord, I pray that in this in-between place where you are constructing, you are refining, you are working in their hearts, they would, like Joseph did in that tough moment, make a decision somewhere deep within them that they're not going to be a victim anymore. That doesn't mean that things didn't happen the way that they happened. Doesn't mean that tears weren't shed. Doesn't mean that their heart wasn't broken. Mm-hmm. Those are things are all true. Mm-hmm. And we acknowledge them. They acknowledge through a decision that they have happened. Mm -hmm. With that being said, you bring healing to broken hearts. And part of your ministry is to bind up our wounds. And so we ask that you'd bind, you'd heal, you restore. That in this place of darkness, Lord, you would reveal your hidden keys that would bring these sisters from a dark place to your favored place. Mm -hmm. God, we're asking that you'd move them from victimization to ultimate victory. And through what you do and what you're doing in this place and the decision that they've made that unlocks your grace, that it would be a symbol and a sign, not just for them, but for everyone that is watching. Lord, bring freedom, Mm -hmm. and their freedom would be a key to help set others free. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to pray with these sisters, and I ask your blessing and your goodness upon them. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I pray that you receive that today. There is power in prayer, and I believe that many of you right now are going to experience that breakthrough. I see it. In fact, you, you smiled, Pastor Julian, when you were praying because we could, we could picture mm-hmm. women being transformed from the place of victim to um, victor. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for, for having being in the sisterhood today as an honorary member. Don't know if you ever pictured yourself as no, being part have. of that, but until just now. So, but we're so glad that you were. And as we as we go to break, I want to remind you that you now have the opportunity, sisters listening, to bring Jesus 
through your redemption of these broken things into your world, into your life. So that's a powerful promise that you have right now from God. Julian, thank you so much for being here. And real quick, as we're saying goodbye to this part of the show today, talk to us about your church. Give us your website and tell us uh, how we can reach you. Okay, well, we're uh, planning a brand-new church called Tribes Church um, this fall um, in the Grand Rapids area. It's tribeschurch.tv, like television. And it is a, we live in a very tribal society where um, we got political tribes and sports tribes. You got stylistic and this, that, and the other. And people are divided. But the Bible says that there's going to come a day where every tribe, tongue, people, and nation are together and they're worshiping Jesus in harmony and unity. And we just believe that where the scripture says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait to Revelation chapter 7 to see that happening here on earth. Mm-hmm. The Bible says we need to pray for what is happening in heaven to happen here on earth. So Tribe Church is founded on this idea that God wants us to come together and be followers of him, disciples, not just in sacred spaces, but in the marketplace. And we're excited about that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And and that's something that my husband and I are partnering with you and your wife, Tiffany. The four of us are planting this church called Tribes Church, and we're really yes, super we excited. And yes, I'm honored to be able to be in this part of the harvest field with you. That's great. Well, girls, it's been good to be with you once again. I am your freedom coach, Don Scott Jones and Damon. <laughs> and with you today with Julian Newman. We hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. I'm your freedom coach, Dawn Scott Damon. I hope to hear from you. Drop me a line at freedomgirlsisterhood.com. God bless you. We'll see you next week.